This is Medicine on the Frontier, a unique expeditions podcast hosted by Luke Whittle-Gillard and Matt Hans. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Medicine on the Frontier. I've got Matt back. He's back after surviving his polar storm. Uh, he was in another one. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. It's been more of an internal storm. I've been so <laughs> ill for the past 10 days. There has been a serious storm inside my stomach, but we're all right today. I'm feeling good. I'm confident in my letting gas. We're oh, doing good. Can we not start the podcast like that? That's not what we want. Um, but yeah, good to have you back. We had to reschedule some recordings, but we're here. This is the penultimate episode, our last mini-series of episode one. We're actually testing some video footage at the same time. Uh, so we're uh, I'm at least a bit self-conscious about where I'm looking, making sure I, I try and look into the screen. But we've got some cool news coming out as well. Uh, the Royal Ge- Geological Society, there's so many societies, they all sound so similar, but the Royal Geological Society has just completed an expedition to Ascension Island. And it's their first mapping. It's the first time Ascension Island's ever been mapped. Uh, and they're looking, because it's such a biodiverse area, they're looking at how the actual biodiversity is changing, how the marine landscape is changing, and you know the effects of climate change. And I think with everything going on in Dubai right now, for those of you that don't know, COP28, the Committee of Paris 28, uh, is starting to come to a close. And you know we're seeing that yet again, there are these false promises for the protection of our environment, which is really sad to see. And I went to this uh, premiere for a new movie called uh, Deep Rising. I recommend it to everyone to watch. And it's all about protecting our deep oceans. It's something that is shared. It's owned by everyone. It's an international law that everyone in the world has collective ownership of our oceans. Uh, And it's a really important movie to showcase the the impact that deep sea mining projects could have. But Matt, you know, you're a seafarer. What are your thoughts on, you know, how we protect our oceans and the sort of the lack of responsibility we've been having? I think we sit on this really weird knife edge at the minute. We've got, you know, as a, as a race, a, a species, we are now at a bit of a, an awkward situation. You know, we've, we ultimately realised that we've maybe got, what, a couple of million years before the Earth is uninhabitable. Uh, and therefore, we need to become a multi-planetary species. And that brings a real kind of social question to ask, and that is, do you want to remain a human being, a man of the, where you came from, a, a thing of the earth, you know, and protect the earth itself, which, you know, ultimately, I like this phrase, we are really just very well-educated mold growing on a rock <laughs> in space. Like, so do we, we, do we want to continue to be that? And, and, and for me, I do. Like, I, I love the planet. The planet fascinates me and its mm. history fascinates me and, and being outside it. But I equally understand there's other people who want to progress, you know, the evolution of mankind and that ultimately for all of our survival is going to have to mean we're going to have to leave this planet. So I understand it's a tricky one, but yeah, I'm a big fan of looking after these oceans. I don't think we need to be dredging up the bottoms of the oceans to to find what I think there's more than enough resource on earth. We actually just need to learn to work together and share it and life would be much nicer for all of us. Um, but yeah, I think it's fascinating. This is actually part of the Darwin initiative, isn't it? Yeah. And the Darwin initiative is just one of the many things that are out there. There's so many different programs. There's so many different organizations, both in the public and the private sector working together. And there is still a lot of hope that, you know, climate doomerism, we've talked about it in, I think it was episode two with Matt Lee and Lydia Potter, you know, there is, we don't need to be climate doomerists yet. There's still a lot to be done, despite maybe our politicians not doing enough. 
and there's people of all generations i would like to consider myself youthful but there's people even more youthful than me that are already getting out in the world and making a difference and showing people that you know how to reconnect with nature we have disconnected and there is still a lot of room to be done for us to get back in and, and be that mold as you call it uh but yeah today we've got evan chick he's an adventurer and explorer he's a member of the royal geographical society he'll be a fellow as soon as he turns 21 i'm sure of it uh, he's an ambassador for British Exploring Society. He's a bushcraft instructor, and he's a change maker and mental health advocate. All round legend, Evan. How you doing, buddy? I'm very good. How are you guys? Yeah, man. We're so excited to finally get you on the podcast. You're a busy guy, you know. Despite, but how old are you now, Evan? Just for the record, seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen, and he's busier than Matt and I. He's like absolutely awesome. For the guys that don't know, uh, Evan and I met a year and a bit ago. He turned me on to the, the British Exploring Society. He had just come back from Kyrgyzstan uh, on this amazing, I think yours was, was it three weeks, Evan? Is that right? Five weeks. Five weeks in Kyrgyzstan, yeah. Yours was five weeks as well? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So yes, five weeks in Kyrgyzstan. He's telling me all these stories about how cool it was. And then somehow in there, he managed to convince me to be like, yeah, maybe I should look at it. So I went as a leader this year. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about Kyrgyzstan a bit, but Evan, just run it back for us. Where did this all begin? Because Kyrgyzstan was not your first adventure. No, goodness. Um, yeah, it began a long, long time ago, probably when I was about three. Um, so I grew up on a farm um, down down in Sussex, just grew up homeschooled. So constantly out and about, running about in the woods, you know, from morning till dawn, getting caked in mud, um, just, you know, lighting fires, doing all sorts of adventurous stuff. Um, and that's, that's how I sort of got, got into the outdoors. Um, and then just, yeah, I've, I'm trying to think, yeah, from then. And then I did, did an adventure in an expedition to Northern Finland in, uh, 2019, beginning of 2019, I think, um, for a week. And that sort of just hooked me into expedition life really. Um, and then yeah, sort of found out about the BES in, I think, 2021. Um, and did next two week expedition with them to Scotland, um, and it's it sort of it sort of showed me the real power the outdoors has to uh, sort of on young people's lives. Um, and then yeah, came, then decided to apply for for Kyrgyzstan in in 2022 and spent five weeks in the most stunning place I think I've ever been to. It's just well, I mean you know Luke, it's it's just it's an absolutely gorgeous you know part of the world. The mountains there are just just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Now it, it's they're beautiful enough as mountains that Matt might actually want to go climb them. I don't know, but I think that may, that might be. He's yeah. shaking his head. Ah, I could potentially ride on horseback past them. Yeah, that yeah. I could do. But it is an absolutely stunning landscape. And Evan, you are an ambassador now for British Exploring Society. So let's yes. talk about that. What is British Exploring Society and why did you choose to want to be an ambassador for them? What is the British Exploring Society? Very good question. The British Exploring Society um, is uh, so it's an organisation that was set up 90 years ago by a guy called George Leverett Murray, who was he was one of uh, one of the team members. I think I, I think I have a feeling I might be wrong here. I'm pretty sure he was the medic um, on Scott's last expedition. He was definitely one of the members of his team. I think he might have been the medic. Um, and he and he basically set up this organization for for originally then it was for public school boys and it was for taking them out on expeditions. Um, and they started off usually just going to sort of like Labrador and the Canadian Yukon and places like that. 
And over the years, it's changed, um, but always at the heart of it has been about getting young people outdoors. Um, and over the years, it's sort of become a lot more accessible to, to everyone and all young people. Um, and it's about, and now it's more about getting young people out there, giving young people who wouldn't usually get the opportunity to have adventures, getting them out there, getting them experiencing the power of being in the wilderness, the power of expedition life, um, and using it for youth development and stuff like that. Um, and then that, that, to be honest with you, is my, my biggest passion in life is, is inspiring young people through the outdoors. So when I, when I sort of went on an expedition, saw the impact that it was having on my sort of teammates' lives, my firemates' lives, um, yeah, and, and then doing a couple of expeditions with them and then finding out they, they've set up this ambassadorship, become explorer ambassadors for them, um, has been incredible. Uh, and I think it's, in a way, it's almost to give back to the young people. You know, I had this incredible opportunity. I grew so much. I learned so much. And I want to give back to, to the next generation of young explorers. Um, so... We go into going to schools um, and sort of share share the programs, share the expeditions, um, try and get some young people involved, um, create content. I think there's, you know, if you're a young person who's never, you know, never really been in an outdoors environment before, it's uh, it can be a big step to take to go and spend five weeks, you know, thousands of miles from home in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it's just about, you know, trying to break down some of those barriers, you know, the mental, the physical, you know, the anxieties about applying. Um, and yeah, it's a really, the ambassadorship is a, yeah, it's been a really, really great thing I've done this year. Mate, I've been Fantastic. loving your videos. For the ones of you, like Matt and I often talk about your videos when we're talking to each other. Uh, he's Junior Survivor on Instagram. I'm going to link it in the description. But you do, you're making some great videos and I know people are really inspired. You know, everyone that meets you says that you're awesome. So it's, it's cool. Keep doing what you're doing. So tell us a bit about these other things that you're doing. Now, Matt was very jealous, I want to say, that you were off exploring by yourself. He doesn't get to do that anymore. Yeah, it's those times <laughs> have gone. That's the worst <laughs> bit. And and I sit there and I, I kind of saw the videos dropping in and realized you'd been away for quite a substantial amount of time in Rowan. And I was so jealous. It was horrible. Because it was just that, that whole process of exactly what you just talked about was, you know, I missed that. Actually, I miss that a lot. Even though it seems I do it a huge amount, it's there's you know when you're guiding and running it, it's always back of house. There's so much other things to think about, but to actually do the exploring yourself, I think, is one of the most amazing experiences. It was, yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. I got honestly, I got an amazing like a bit of advice that's really actually stuck with me from 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 Josh from from you guys in UE, um, and he said, you know, there's very little times in your life where you know you're a really lucky point right now, you know. You, 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 you may have no money in your pocket or whatever, but you've got freedom. And he said later on in life, you may have the money in your pocket to do adventures, but you haven't necessarily got the freedom to go out there and do them. Um, and I, that's really how stuck with me. And I did this. Um, so over the summer, I spent just under two months. I um, just jumped on a coach and about, I don't know, it took me it took about 24 hours to get where I was going forever. Ended up in some little village up in the middle of the sort of on the edge of the Cairngorms. And spent sort of two months just just trekking about Scotland on my own, literally like barely any money, just enough to sort of buy a bit of food at shops and a bus ticket here and there. Um, and so I went from yeah, went from the east coast up through the Cairngorms. Um, and to finish you, I didn't. I, I, my my idea was to walk across the country, um, or walk across you know from the east coast of Scotland to the west coast. I you know I I, I don't think I made it you know barely even halfway into the Cairngorms. Um, I just sort of just took my time, poodled along. Um, yeah, faced quite a lot of challenges and encounters along the way um, that really, you know, that sort of, which at the time, you know, you're always like, oh, why is this going on? No, this, you know, this is no good. 
Pony things were going a bit better. Um, but looking back on it, it's sort of those those are the times when I've grown. Um, and yeah, just you know all the midges and stuff like that. Um, and then made it over to the west coast. Um, spent spent some time there. I just volunteering with some people, so I have some friends over there. Um, and I just sort of said, Do you know, anyone who needs needs any help on a farm or whatever, and I just you know it was that time of year when everyone had apples on their apple trees. So I just went round, you know, all the old ladies' houses, picking all their apples for them. Um, just just you know just to, to gain some different experiences. Worked on a few different farms. Just literally spent like a week just chopping logs. Um, I'm absolutely tired of chopping logs now. I must have chopped thousands of them. <laughs> But I'd say my, my, my hands were like the calluses on them by the end of like holding an axe for a week, just nonstop chopping all day. It was, yeah, felt, you know, felt, felt like a proper explorer after that. Um, and then, and then I think the, 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 the cherry, the icing on the cake for, for that, that week was I, I've, I've, a lot of people have said, oh, there's this beautiful island called Tyree. Um, you can get mm. a boat there from Oban. That's where you are. Head over there, spend a few days there. They said like, it's one of the most beautiful places in the UK. Apparently, it's like one of the most sunniest. I was like looking at some pictures. That looked amazing. I head there. The, the day I arrived, I mean, the weather was absolutely beautiful. I was like, oh, this is the place to come on, you know, spend the summer here, you know, but like the Caribbean, but you know, in Scotland. Um, the second, and then <laughs> I was there for ten days, and from that second day to the last day, it was one of the greatest storms, the biggest storms that had hit that island in like a few years, and I was just <laughs> sitting in my tent for like ten days. The, 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 and things just just kept getting worse that the stove i took i decided to take um just like a little rocket stove which just relied on twigs um the the island i this is this teaches you know me to do research before you go places the island <laughs> is notorious for having no trees on it so for 10 days i couldn't boil any water all the food i took with me needed hot water um, there was barely any fresh water on the island, so I ended up drinking out of like a like a like a pond that like cows were drinking out of, and just putting fury <laughs> tabs in it. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't get ill actually. Um, and then and then I was about to get off the island, and then they said no, the storm's about to get even worse. All boats have been cancelled from the ocean. Like it's about five hours by boat from mainland, um, and and I was like. Oh, literally what am i meant to do now i need to get off this island because i needed to catch the train <laughs> home as well like next day or whatever and then they were like well yeah there's a hopefully a boat coming tomorrow the winds and the storm picked up that night um it was like 17 mile an hour plus gust winds um, my tent was literally completely destroyed within like a couple of minutes um absolutely hammering it down with rain i ended up sort of hunkering down in this, this bit of artwork um that was like a it's like a big glass box sort of thing so it was like feeling like i was in the elements but not i mean it was it was insane my phone got completely water drenched and stopped working i was like this is this is this is going well this is interesting um but but yeah no it was pretty mad but it it was yeah it was one of those things i made a, a video on the end of talking about resilience um and that's you know i was hoping to go on a trip and learning about mountaineering and all these these skills but actually it was the things that i learned gained most from it was the mental elements resilience and and stuff like that um but yeah, yeah it was good it was a good experience it's good podcast content <laughs> yeah yeah welcome to the term type two fun it, it yeah. was it was exactly that it was exactly that yeah yeah 
Well, I, I hate to break it to you, but it gets no better now. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how fancy the expedition gets. It, you feel exactly the same. Yeah. The internal turmoil never loses. And that's, that's the greatest bit about it. You're always learning about yourself. I think the, the, the whole concept of what you're doing is, um, I mean, I literally, I, this is exactly what I said to Luke when we, when we first mentioned about having you on the podcast, was I love the fact that the, the kind of subnote to everything you're doing has this, it's kind of deeply attached to your own personal mental health and well-being and and that of helping others to evolve theirs through through nature and that's you know something i'm massively interested in and something i put a lot of time and effort into is is relating not just the the physical victories of an expedition or you know the the instagram moments of an expedition mm-hmm. which seems to be on on some element um, one of the main driving forces we see through social media today, you know, I went to this place because it looks so cool for this selfie or the shot. Whereas you're actually, you're doing much more than I think you're aware of um, mm. in the way you portray yourself and portray what you're doing because you, you make it so connectable, so relatable. And even from, from my perspective, who's, you know, maybe someone who, if we look at it generally, I'm, I'm just like, 30 years further ahead than you are in the same style I grew up the same way I grew up playing outside lighting fires you know I used to get kicked out of the house in the morning and wasn't allowed in the door was locked until dinner was ready (laughs) and and I used to honestly yeah yeah. and I and I literally spent my days in the woods in the forest swimming in rivers lighting fires and and playing and and I'd learned through that play that I had this hugely strong connection to nature Uh, and even now when life gets tough nature's the one place I go to in in many of its forms to to kind of reconnect myself and and get leveled and I think the way you sell that is it's such a fresh and kind of positive mentality to to share with the world which has made it so interesting to watch because I'm watching someone grow and you're being completely honest about your failings you're being completely honest about you know the things that go wrong and what you're learning and I I just think it's outstanding so where do you see it going now what's the the kind of expansion of where we're currently at to to where your ultimate goal is for for what you want to give back yeah good yeah good question i think my my ultimate goal is is inspiring young people through the outdoors and and it's quite a broad a broad thing um i just want to say my ultimate goal is to one day um lead lead for the british story society um, or, or you know, or an organisation like that. But I really, you know, I've got a bit of a sort of a relationship with it at the moment, a bit of a connection, and I hope that I can sort of yeah go forward with that. So over the next sort of couple of years, do some more training, gain more experience, and hopefully lead for them one day. But I think, I think also, I I think another goal is I think it's around making the outdoors more accessible. Um, I think you know a lot of a lot of there's you know it's, it does exclude I think a lot of young people if you've grown up in an environment you know where you know the outdoors has never been something that you know there's an opportunity your school's never had i know a forest school or opportunities or access to a green space or whatever you you, ne- you don't necessarily you know you maybe you know watch david attenborough or whatever and say oh wow that looks amazing but i think do you know i never actually I'm, i might not be able to actually get out there um and i think it's about a, a goal would be for me is about you know opening it up so giving young people who wouldn't usually get the opportunity um the, the access to to outdoors and also the knowledge to what to do in it um i think you know you can you know say right get a young bunch of young people up and say right we're heading up to the lakes um and you know they get out of the mini bus and they're like i don't know what to do 
someone was someone was telling me a story the other day that they took a bunch of young people into a woodland and they gave them a bunch of wellies because it was just you know winter and muddy and they were trying to put the wellies over their their white trainers and they were like what, what are you doing and you know these you know just you know some kids are completely you know isolated or you know not having been into that environment so i think it's just about educating young people um and you know just you know i think especially you know maybe younger kids getting more the opportunities more younger kids to have access you know when you're younger to get out doors because i think if it's something that something that you you know you find a love or something when you're younger then it will you know it sticks more that that passion for it sticks more through as you get older um and also like, i've told you yeah like when you sort of you know we talk about sort of mental health sort of journey it was growing up in the outdoors and that became an environment that i was sort of comfortable and confident in um it was sort of you know place where I was at home and then that sort of environment did change and that's when you know my mental health took a, a bit of a hit but but it was actually going back to back to the outdoors and and building my confidence there through you know learning new skills mastering old ones and then bringing that confidence back to the areas where where I was struggling and and that and that really did help and I think it's a it's a really powerful tool that that would be really good that I would love to you know over the next few years or what you know the rest of my lifespan i guess to to, to make that make that an opportunity that's there for, for any young person who really who, who wants it um and yeah just yeah who, who knows where it's going to lead it's quite a broad broad topic i guess um it's not not that specific <laughs> it, but yeah I, I don't think it needs to be you know i think what you're actually saying there is um is exactly i mean we're already very aware we have less and less interaction with natural spaces that's mm. a, a kind of a standpoint of of everybody now if we look at the especially in the uk um there is much less interest in being in the outdoors it's not something that's really pushed through schools it doesn't particularly fit with the modern lifestyle when families are working in cities and there's lots of commuting backwards and forwards and we seem to have lost that and you know, you mentioned that, you know, starting that passion early. And I completely agree. I think it's, I think everybody inside them has a connection to nature. They just have never experienced it yet. Yeah. Um, so giving them the opportunity, you know, in a, you know, if you were able to set something up, whether it's a charitable form where you, you know, other people can fund you being able to take these young people out into the wilderness. Um, I think that's an incredible an incredible opportunity for so many people because it's it's more than just the week right you get so much more than just the week you're away Definitely. it's everything that comes after that i think that's incredible i think yeah it is it's a really it's a really yeah a powerful thing to to get young people in i think even from um from like an environmental aspect as well i was talking to um with the bs i was doing some interviews with some of the young people the other day and this uh this lad said you know i spent two weeks away in scotland uh you know grew up in a sea never been you know probably the only green space but been to you know as well park or whatever um and he said that i was actually just learning about different habitats different animals the way the plants interact my impact on that being that you know being in that environment washing in the rivers whatever um you know putting my tents about cooking you know where i you know where you do business however and and then he said you know the before i went on the expeditions the decisions that i made in my life were just based around you know sort of me personally and you know and sort of impacts that would you know just you know things that would my decisions were made on you know the imp that would that would impact just sort of me and my friends but now he said i didn't actually realize that the decisions that i make impact the environment and he said you know going back now i'm just you know i'm much of a, a deeper understanding and respect and passion for the you know for the outdoors and i want to sort of you know every decision that i try and make i try and make it with 
not only my best interests and my friends, my families and the environments, but the entire world and, you know, everyone who lives on it. Um, and I think that, you know, that sort of, that really did touch me and quite, quite inspiring that, you know, you maybe if, you know, you, you want to really have that passion for the environment and want to protect it, you've got to have an experience. You've got to understand what it is you're protecting. Um, yeah, that's so true. To really have for that sure. sort of respect and, and sort of passion for it. Um, yeah. You know, we actually touched on this when we discussed um, like a bit of climate change and things with Matt and Lydia. And that mm. was my point was actually it's really hard for people to see the impact they're having if they've never experienced it. Yeah, It's really difficult to, you know, we all talk about the, the kind of ice caps in the north. I kind of live here. You know, I see, <laughs> I, I see the changes. And you know what? Being here, this year is one of the worst winters we've had. It's mm. been 25 minus for the past 10, 15 days. It's much colder now than it normally is. You know, we're starting to see these impacts of, mm. of what's happening. But, you know, you don't see that if you don't experience it. And therefore, you can't make changes in yourself, in, in how you interact with nature and the general world in general. And that social kind of cause and effect that rules everything we do, it doesn't expand to the world and the environment if you have never experienced those areas. So I think um, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. But literally by showing people these amazing spaces will in its sense give them some ownership of that and therefore people tend to act accordingly definitely yeah 100 percent. i think it's yeah i think it's got yeah it should sort of have quite a bit of potential hopefully to yeah to to, to get get you know get sort of get people more engaged and in in you know what's going on in the world yeah so evan for the people and you know i'm going to market this as you know getting the youth out and getting everyone out to explore. What steps do you think people should take when they're planning from all the lessons you've learned, when they're wanting to go out and see the outdoors, mm. what practical steps would you recommend that people do for their first, you know, couple of adventures? Good question. I think, you know, number one is, you know, um, it's just, you know, be sort of um, reasonable, you know, think like if you, you know, don't, don't say, right, I'm going to go and, you know, climb a massive mountain or I'm going to, you know, go i don't know some you know the alps or you know whatever if you're if you're new to that um i think it's about you can have an adventure is that it's an adventure it's one issue my my perspective on it isn't it to be an adventurer isn't necessarily what you do is the attitude that you look at situations with so you know just you get get yourself a bit of kit don't just get really expensive stuff you know to start off with just a bit of stuff you can you know you pick stuff up secondhand or whatever and then you know just just find a route that's that's you know one it's going to be safe um and, and just you know just 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 have a have a small adventure and work your way up um so even when i went to scotland i i didn't grow up in the mountains um i grew up in in woodlands and stuff like that so i didn't actually climb up into any of the mountains a lot of people said oh did you go up here or go there um and i didn't because you know when i was on my own i didn't have any means of you know if something went wrong any sort of um you know like um you know in reach or garmin or whatever so I just sort of stayed in the lowlands. I still had an incredible time. You don't need to, mm. you know, push yourself to, to to places where potentially your skill level is going to be dangerous. Um, and it's, it's about the attitude to the mindset that you look at the the situations with. Um, and I mean, also like you can do stuff. You don't you don't have to go anywhere. Like you, you you've got a garden or you've got a park or whatever. You can you know you can do stuff like that. Like I used to to teach myself you know rope work and stuff like that. I put just put a rope, like a really old bit of rope in a tree. Um, and I just press hooked up 
and then Abseil down. Um, and you know what? It wasn't far. And I just used to do that, like, you know, days on end. I used to go up and down, up and down, up and down, just to learn that skill. Um, you know, and, and for me, that was, you know, a bit of an, you know, bit of an adventure. Um, I think, yeah, it's just about, yeah, the, the, to be honest, my, my, my biggest piece of advice was, you know, it's the attitude that you look at something with, not necessarily what you're doing. Yeah. I, I, I think that's brilliant. I mean, the, to put that in a, a bit of a smaller version, you can choose to go for a walk or you could go for a walk and make a coffee. Yes. Definitely. Right. Just that, mm. just that additional element like of a, a bit of self-survival is enough actually for you to stop to locate some trees to go and pick some bark you know to collect some preparing area light a fire you're finding water you know all those things that is an adventure so even if it's only two hours definitely even setting your hammock up in a park which is the you know what we say to everyone going to the jungle is it's bloody try (laughs) yeah work out how to put it up yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you might, I mean, you might get some, might get some odd looks, but you know, someone <laughs> might, you never know who who might come over and say, "Oh, what are you doing?" And then you know, an opportunity to to um to talk to talk to them. I used to um when I was before I went to Finland, I thought although it was you know I didn't actually do any of this whilst I was out there, um, but I thought you know uh, you know after exploration, right, I need to become better at pulling you know pulling a pole around pulling a sled. So I I just got a load of old car tires, um, and I got like an old. BT um, power line harness and clip that up to this tire and I used to just drag it round the field out of the back Love of my it. house, round and round and round. And I mean, people used to look at me going like, "What is he doing?" Because there was a major footpath that walked past him. But one day, a guy stopped me, and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm you know get training for this expedition." He said, "Yeah, I was actually an Arctic explorer, an Antarctic explorer." He said, "This is exactly what I used to do." Um, and he said, "You know, I used to be out in Antarctica and I was pulling these and I've you know been to the South Pole, whatever." And, you know, it's, I thought you know, I looked a bit daft doing it, but, but you, you know, you never know who you're going to meet through, through, doing, through doing this sort of stuff. I'll tell you one thing. You don't look half as daft as you do walking around inner city London in a Canada goose jacket. So For sure. I'd rather, see, I'd rather see young men pulling tires in fields, getting ready for an expedition, than people using expedition clothing in the city. Oh, so the go- you, the you've go- got the it, go- mate. Core. The go- you know yeah. what I always find interesting about that? And I mean, you raised it as a really important point, I think, which is, you know, I was going and doing quality mountain days to get my mountain leader certificate sort of near sign-off. I'm hopefully get it signed off in 2024. But the... Um, the amount of people I saw that would come up from Bristol or London or Manchester to go into, we were in Brecon. And, and Brecon, for anyone that doesn't know, because we've got quite an international audience now, so hello to all our international listeners. Um, Brecon, it's a really hard environment to, to you know, to, to live in and to work in. And people go out into the outdoors in jeans and a t-shirt and white trainers. And it's worth investing, you know, whenever we're talking about kit, is just, the core elements that you need is you need warm jackets, you need some good footwear and some waterproofs. I think is there anything else? A good water bottle would be another good thing I'd say. say well, what else would you guys say are the core elements that someone should get when they're trying to get into this? Again, nothing expensive. Decathlon is fab. Oh yeah, but, Decathlon. Um, I love Decathlon's my number one go-to shop. Decathlon's amazing. Uh, but Evan, what would you recommend as your pieces of kit to, that people should take out with them to start with? Um, to start with, all oh, goodness, yeah, good question. Um, I I always find um, just I always take a snack. Um, I you know it's, it's not necessarily Ooh, okay. a bit of kit, but if you're feeling you know if the weather is absolutely miserable, it's quite easy to go. Oh, why am I here? What am I doing? If you've got like a, a bag of Haribo, a chocolate bar, eat that in that moment. 
it's it's better than any bit you know any waterproof jacket you're gonna have in that moment of time, and it will it will just brings your morale up. Um, but yeah, apart you know apart from that, I think yeah, like you said, a good a good you know waterproof and you know the de- decent footwear. I saw a woman climbing up Ben Nevis once walk past me in flip flops. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm from Australia. We do everything in flip flops. I'm like, okay, Ben Nevis. Yeah, you might not want to go up that in flip flops, but yeah, so yeah, good footwear. No, it's, it's you know it's just the the sights you see and it makes you realize you know how close I think people become to to it going wrong and it could so easily go wrong. Like there was a guy that went up Ben Nevis again. Ben Nevis is a very nice mountain, by the way. Where you know if the horror stories are there, but you know he he went up. He had all the kit and in winter in a in a whiteout he just walked off the side. He survived somehow because there was so much snow. Mm. Um, but it shows that you know. There are risks out there. I think people just need to be risk, not risk adverse, but risk aware. I think that's, yeah, we all use that. Yeah, you know what? I think one of the biggest problems we've got, especially in the UK, is we've, we've locked off a lot of the wild spaces. Mm. You know, it's like living in Norway, I can literally go where I like. There is no rule that says I can't walk and basically camp in your garden. You know, you there's, there's no law. You out the back of your house. Yeah, I literally, I ski from the back of the house up onto the mountains and we go. So, but in England, you see, because we've locked off these wild places, people are ultimately drawn to what they find online. And if they want to go for a nice mountain walk, it is somewhere like Ben Nevis. It mm. is, you know, and people end up almost jumping the gap from those, what I call backyard adventures, which I love here. Just been able to go out the back of the house or where I grew up in you know, North Yorkshire, just been able to go out the back of the house into the woods, down by the rivers and do those things. And again, quite lucky, you know, family had friends who owns estates and there was, it, you know, it made my life easier to explore. Sure. And I understand that's not accessible to everybody, but I, I wish it was a little bit, you know, the, like you're saying, you're carrying tires, you're dragging tires around by a footpath. But I wish more people saw that as something that was okay, you know, to go out and, and just light a small fire on a simple walking trail and making a coffee and, and just enjoying those mini backyard adventures because they're actually a really good prerequisite before you flip-flop <laughs> yeah. your way up the bend, for example, because you've learned that element a bit closer to home. But we've, we've kind of been a bit – we've closed it off a bit too much. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I always just like – if I'm in a day where I'm like, you know, oh, I haven't been outside in a while, I'm just stuck in, just, you know, grab a beaten up old trencher, a pan of spam and just, or a tin of spam and go, go out, go, go in the garden or in the woods and a bit of bread and butter. I mean, although it absolutely is disgusting, you know, and probably not that healthy for me, it's just like, I, it's you know, torture, it's torture. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it, it's not though. I remember it's good this, I used to. I used to put a little lavu up in the back garden. I could sit and cook dinner out there. And it is, it's, it's not the greatest food, but when you cook it over an open fire, and you, it tastes so much better. It tastes so much better to do it that way. Even in the UK, I think fishing is a really good skill. That, you know, there's a lot of fishing in the UK. Um, yeah. And I, mean, I don't know, did you guys catch in, and cook any fish in, in Kyrgyzstan? Um, we caught uh, like a minnow in a Nalgene. I think that was about it. We did try fishing, <laughs> but uh, we caught a minnow and that was it, yeah. Yeah, no, our fishing attempts weren't great, but the locals who are actually quite good at fishing um, gave us some fish. And, you know, just teaching them, you know, I was teaching them how to how to you know, debone and cook a fish. And it just those are skills that you can do in your kitchen at home. Mm. You know, learning how to prepare meat, learning how to to just you know prepare fish or you know, vegetables how to clean things properly how to make uh, evan I, I couldn't i couldn't bring my group to do it 
but you made an oven in Kyrgyzstan. Just tell us a little bit about that. We did, yes. I think it must have been like two weeks in, um, and me and one of the other guys were just like, just craving. Like I think I think our biggest craving was pasties. Um, and we were just like, you know, how are you meant to put that in a trencher? So we were like, all right, let's make an oven. Um, and I, I made, I've been involved in the making of one before, um, a, lo- a long, long time ago. I was like, we well, there's not a lot of grass, but we've got a lot of like animal dung, you know, either horse or sheep or whatever. So we we're like, we've got that, we've got some muds, and we've got some, you know, some sticks and some, you know, rocks and water and stuff. And we built this um, like a like a pizza oven, basically a wood fired pizza oven out of this stuff. Um, and I mean, it, it was a bit, it was a bit of a labour of love. It took a while to do. Um, and then we, I think that we just recently just started making some flatbreads. Um, and then we made like, we made like flatbreads with honey, but the honey had been invaded by ants. So our bread was full of ants. Um, and I mean, like at that time we were just like, oh my goodness, we don't care. You know, it's extra protein or whatever. And I think we worked our way up through like flapjacks to cake, um, to like, brownie. Um, we, we literally cooked so much stuff in there um, and made pizzas and everything um, and I mean it was yeah it was a it was a good experience it was a really good experience and good fun to do um, was there a tinge was there a tinge of smell in the food it, I don't know it was definitely a like a very <laughs> smoky sort of yeah flavor earthy but after earthy, earthy flavor but after eating dehydrated rash packs for like five weeks I think you know I'm not, Heaven. You know, a bit of horse dung flavouring is, you know, quite appreciated. I love uh, it. That's amazing. So, Evan, to close it out, what would your advice be to, to those beyond just, and obviously, get out there and explore? But of all the challenges you found, what would be your advice to someone that is just a bit younger than you? Or even actually, now I'm going to scrap that. Anyone that wants to get into the outdoors that's beginning. Mm-hmm. that has got to this point and we get to this level where we realize ah we actually don't know enough and but you know you still need to go out there what's your advice to them about how to make the most of their time in the outdoors good question i think um oh good question like start off small you know like you know like we've like we've, you know we've, we've spoken a bit about it um you know just start off yeah go out make you up a coffee go for a walk in the woods um take an identification book with you if you want just so you become a little bit more you know so you start spotting some of the trees um if you've got you know if you can walk around you know a field or you can walk around a woods it's really good to just to give you that bit more confidence of being in that environment to actually understand it a little bit more instead of just seeing woods fields grass trees um weeds whatever (laughs) just yeah just start to um yeah, just start to, um, you know, if, watch a YouTube video, Google search it, whatever, take an identification book and just start to, yeah, become a little bit more aware of your environment. Um, and there's a, I, I did a little video about it the other day and it was just talking about like nature is always telling us a story. Um, we're just pretty much oblivious to it all the time. That story oh, might sorry. be what animal walked through here, what time it walked through here. Um, it might be direction, you know, a whole a whole field of something called natural navigation, which you know boggles my mind most of it. But <laughs> it, it, it's it's just it's just it's all about the little clues where how you know the angle that something grows at, the angle of a leaf, you know, the the sort of the the shading of a, the the bark or whatever. Um, and usually we just completely oblivious to this. But I think a really great step if you're wanting to get more into the outdoors is actually just becoming more confident in it. 
and then yeah and then like you said just getting out there and, and, and doing it yeah no I love that man and there's so many for those of you that live in cities like I do rather than these lucky buggers that live in the countryside um yeah I'm a big surfer and a diver and there's so many groups out there like there's a Facebook group that I joined for people that want to go surfing at, that live in London and so now every week there's people that are like oh yeah I've got a car does anyone want to jump in so for those of you in the, they exist for the mountains and they exist for hill walking so if you don't have friends if your friends are like nah not not me I ain't going walking in the hills there are loads of people out there just like you and you just got to find them uh, so definitely go out there look at look at for groups and, and just have a good time message Evan I'm sure Evan would, would happily take people into the outdoors anytime. I'm always I'm always up for an adventure <laughs> definitely let me know yeah payments in spam that's it yeah. <laughs> that is how i'm gonna that's that's how i'm gonna bribe him now but evan yeah. thank you so much man it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this series i can't wait to see what you get up to i think 2024 is going to be an even bigger year for you it is oh i'm hoping so who knows what's going to happen who knows <laughs> <laughs>